0: What's up, everybody? This is John Neighbors, and this is the Locked On Ragerbacks podcast. I am your host, and I am also the host of The Morning Rush, which you can check out every day, Monday through Friday, from 6 to 9 in the morning on hitthatline.com. There's a lot of things we're going to get to today. We're going to talk about the quarterback situation over the Labor Day weekend. Has Arkansas finally found their quarterback? Maybe. Maybe not. We'll have to wait and see. We'll also get into some SEC talk as well as one really cryptic tweet by a Razorback football player that may be telling to what's been going on with another player in the Razorback football locker room. We'll get to all that and a lot more. Appreciate everybody listening in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Also, get after me on Twitter at Rush John Neighbors. If you want to have any questions, comments, concerns dealing with the podcast, I also have a voicemail set up that you can call and I will play back your voicemails. All you got to do is call 682-74-ROWDY. That's 642-74-ROWDY. Leave a voicemail and we'll make sure it gets played back on the podcast. So let's get into the quarterback controversy that is with the Arkansas Razorbacks. My, oh, my, how the tables have turned. It's amazing that we are even in this position right now where last week on the podcast, we talked about Cole Kelly being the starter for the Razorbacks in game one. Wasn't necessarily surprising, but obviously something was shown in the games and in the practices and scrimmages, I should say, that made Cole Kelly emerge as the favorite among the coaching staff. Well, he may be a favorite in the practice field, but there's a lot of differences between what you can do in the game and when you can do in practices. And Ty Story made the most of his chance. Here's the thing that I am just so impressed by. Cole Kelly comes in and has a very, very very slow start nothing could be going on offense the line wasn't blocking very well of course they didn't really block that well in the rushing attack all game but there was some slowness there wasn't very much tempo just seemed like everybody was dragging along there was no comfort level everything was just kind of meh to start the game in the first three drives it was it literally looked like Arkansas was just trying to run in mud uh, with Cole Kelly in at the quarterback position, so people were saying, "Okay, let's let's switch it up." So they bring in Cole, Ty Story, excuse me, which is the plan all along. They wanted to wait until the fourth series to bring in Ty Story. And what does Ty Story do? He does amazing things. He goes 12 of 17 for 261 yards and three touchdowns. That's a QBR of 98.9, the second most in the entire game of college football after Week One. That's what Ty Story does. He obviously has a favorite target in Jordan Jones, who had five receptions for 132 yards and one touchdown, while Michael Petway was another great target, four and five catches, 93 yards and two touchdowns. It just seemed like it all opened up and the floodgates opened and let Ty Story become the guy and emerge as the starter for Arkansas. Now, this started... Making people wonder what it was that Cole Kelly was showing in these practices to be able to deserve the amount of credit that he was getting among the coaching staff to get the starting position. I don't know because even Cole Kelly coming into the game later on, he started, then he came back in. He he went nine of twelve for ninety-two yards and a touchdown. I mean, it wasn't like he was just absolutely atrocious. You could just tell that there was a comfort level dealing with the offense. And right now. We're still not sold on the quarterback situation because as Chad Morris alluded to in his press conference earlier this week, he talked about how, yeah, Ty Story is going to get first team reps and he's probably going to start against Colorado state. They're going to give him that start, but they're not ruling out Cole Kelly. They're going to find ways to work him into the system as well. Work him into the game. And I thought that was so curious Because I'm not blaming Chad Morris. He obviously knows a lot more than me, so I'm not going to try to sit here and tell you that he's doing it wrong or anything. But here's my question, folks. If Ty Story goes into this game and doesn't play well against Colorado State, then Cole Kelly comes in and does play well. What are you doing after game two? Because one played great in a game, the other one not so great. And then vice versa in the next game. So what are you going to do? Who are you going to lean on? Or what if Ty Story starts the game and does a really good job in the first three drives? Scores touchdowns in all three drives. But the game is still kind of close. Maybe it's like 21-17. to Something like that. Are you going to sacrifice the rhythm that Ty Story was providing on the offense to throw in Cole Kelly? Because that's what you want to do? That's how you want to handle the quarterback situation? Maybe not. But that's the plan. And so there's still this major question mark on the entire quarterback position. And it doesn't look like anytime soon that it's going to be fixed. At least not this week. Maybe next week. But the coaching staff, they have to know what they're doing. They know that there's mind games. They know that there's going to be things that they have to handle with individually with with these guys so I'm not really upset by it or any frustrated by it I'm just curious of how this is going to all go down Ty's story without a doubt looked better he looked like the better quarterback in game one and I'm even completely okay with the coaching staff wanting to get another week of practices in before they make their final decision on who's going to start the rest of the year I'm fine with that but going in with the scripted practices ooh, that, that could cause some problems may cause some heartaches, may cause some people to get offended, or it may cause some uh, some trials in the locker room. I don't know. I, and I'm not saying it'll happen, but it could. So now you have just this big ordeal that you're still having to figure out the quarterback spot, even though you had one quarterback that played really well. Here's my thing. Here's what I would do. If I was Chad Morris, which I'm not, but if I was Chad Morris, here's what I would do. I would ride Ty's story until he proves otherwise. Meaning that in the Colorado State game, if Ty Story's going out and he's doing a good job, or at least a good enough job to lead this offense, I'm not taking him out. Period. Even if I want to give Cole Kelly some reps, I'm not taking him out. Unless the game is completely in hand and you want to get some mop-up duty. That'd be the only way I'd want Cole Kelly in the game. But if Ty Story goes into the Colorado State game and he's struggling a little bit, can't really find any type of rhythm or anywhere close to the rhythm that he had against Eastern Illinois then you can start looking at some things and obviously there's some problems there but go with what you saw in the game I don't care about practice near as much practice does not mean anything to me What I care about is what they do in the games. How they handle adversity. How they handle not having a very good rushing attack, which is what Arkansas is going through right now. How they handle themselves and their demeanor and the team around them, and how do they respond. That's what I see. And in Ty's story, if any of you watch that game, you'll see that it was a completely different deal when Ty's story was behind the center. I really like his game. He almost reminds me of a younger version of Tyler Wilson. And what I mean by younger version, of course he's younger, I know that. But I'm saying, since Ty Story's a junior, you're looking at what Tyler Wilson probably looked like as a redshirt freshman. Because there's just a different response there, where you see the potential. You see how they play, how they throw, where they move up in the pocket, all those things. But you don't see uh, exactly what direction they could go if they end up being the guy you just have to wait and see how they respond and keep can being consistent but I think Ty Story can be that caliber of a player I think he can be a Tyler Wilson I don't think that's too much to ask I don't think that's too high of a ceiling but the problem is is they're going to have to find some way to get this rushing attack going you cannot and I repeat not have 80 yards rushing on 37 carries against Eastern Illinois and expect to do anything in the SEC Let me repeat that. 37 carries for 80 yards. Folks, that's a whopping 2.2 yards a carry. That ain't going to get it done. That ain't cutting it under any circumstance. So they have to find a way, and I know Chad Morris talked about this, him and Joe Craddock both, they have to find a way to move up a little bit and try to find ways to make this running attack successful. Because without that, it won't matter what they do in the SEC because they will not win a single game in this conference if they do not get that part of their offense going. And Cole Kelly or Ty Storey, whoever ends up being the guy, it won't matter what they do because if they don't have a rushing attack as good as their, I don't think their arms are good enough to be able to carry this team where they throw the ball fifty times a game. I don't think the wide receivers are that good. You gotta, you gotta have balance. You gotta have balance on this offense. And Chad Morse knows that. I think everybody knows that. But how do they do it? How do they go about it? Where do they find it? That's the key component. Now, give me another game. Let me see exactly what this offense is about. I don't. I know game one at least gives us some indication, but confirmation doesn't come until after a few games, at least two games. So give me another game before I start writing this rushing attack off as terrible or if I'm just sitting back and saying Cole Kelly is trash. Give me another game. least let me see how they handle it going on the road especially that will tell us a lot more and if all the things end up being the same in game two as they were in game one you know then I guess you kind of know that there is a problem there but time will tell and we'll of course keep you updated on anything that goes on on uh, dealing with the Razorbacks and who's going to be quarterback oh geez it's just going to be it's just going to be a nightmare but either way it's going to be a lot of fun right and that's what's most important Before we get into talking about some of the SEC, I got to say, ever since I started this podcast, everyone's been asking me for advice for some reason. It's almost like you guys think I know what I'm talking about. And it's usually about the teams and who they're going to win. If Arkansas is going to win, what's the score going to be, all that. But the truth is, I honestly have no idea. I like to guess. I think we're all pretty good at guessing. I'm a great guesser, by the way. And I don't really know. But I'll tell you what, some of you out there listening might be better at picking those games than me. And if you do, and if you are good at it, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. And that's why I always tell people to go to my bookie. because trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They have been in business for years and they have great reviews online and their mobile site is very easy to use. You just got to lay down some cash and win big today. I would only, only tell you guys about this because you guys are the best. You're my favorite people in the world because you listen to me and you actually think I know what I'm talking about. And that's much appreciated. And that's why I'm urging you to make your way to MyBookie. My bookie because when you win, they pay. They have in game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business for you fantasy guys out there. You can even bet the over under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Now, join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to a thousand dollars. Just use promo code on college to activate your offer. Visit my bookie online today that's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use the promo on college when creating your account to claim your bonus. You play, you win, you get paid with my bookie. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, moving on to the SEC. What a weekend it was for all these SEC teams. My goodness, was it ever a surprise? Did anybody really think that the SEC was going to have a down year this year? Well, if week one is any indication, which it could or could not be, it looks like the SEC, specifically the SEC West, is going to be just as strong as everybody thought they would be. We already know that on last Thursday, Texas A&M destroyed Northwestern State 59-7. to I don't care about that much at all but in other news and in other games you saw alabama absolutely destroy louisville i lost money on that one brilliant move by me i should have known better than to bet against alabama but apparently i'm not too bright and i'm not too smart when it comes to betting so uh you probably shouldn't listen to me on that for very much longer uh and auburn and washington which is the other big game a top 10 matchup between the two auburn squeaked out the victory. Washington's a really good team, and Auburn's a really good team. But they do get the victory 21-16 over the Huskies. So look for Auburn to be once again contending for that SEC West title. You also saw Mississippi State absolutely trounce Stephen F. Austin, South Carolina beat Coastal Carolina. Ole Miss beat the fool out of Texas Tech, 47-27. Oh, good. Another team that Arkansas gets to play. Uh, Missouri beats UT Martin by a score of 51-14. Vanderbilt 35-7, and LSU – much, much to my surprise, beats Miami like a drum, 33-17. to 17. So there you have it. That's what the SEC is looking like, specifically the teams that Arkansas is going to be playing this year. And every one of them, not only won, but looked pretty impressive in their wins. I mean, how incredible is that? Well, it's not incredible. It's not too crazy to even think about. But I do like the fact that, that not only did the SEC West make a statement, but now it's going to make that division even more fun. Now, if you're a Razorback fan, you're not exactly feeling great about it all. You start to think that maybe this is going to be another year where you go 1-7 and in the conference, if you're lucky, 0-8. Oh I still don't think that'll happen, but there's always a chance that it could, just given how tough the division is. And we're going to know, not, we already know a little bit, but then this next upcoming weekend, at least... We're going to know a little bit about Texas A&M because they play number 2 Clemson at home. That should be a fantastic game. So you'll have that. Mississippi State will play Kansas State. I guess if you call that a big game, it's a bigger game at least. So you'll have a little bit of better indication for how these teams are going to look and uh, what's going to be happening and what Arkansas is going to be facing up against. All I know is that all the teams that Arkansas is facing this year in the SEC are all undefeated. The only team in the SEC to lose was Tennessee as they got smoked by West Virginia, little surprising, but still, West Virginia is a really good team, especially offensively. So I wasn't nearly that surprised when it came to that. But what I do know is that, if anything, this has made it to look like Arkansas is going to have an even tougher time in this division and in this conference to find wins. It's not to say it's impossible, but it's going to be even tougher because there's not a team that I look at in the SEC West folks or even the two East teams in Missouri and Vanderbilt that Arkansas will be playing this year, or that I look at them and I say, yeah, Arkansas, they should win that game. Nothing's guaranteed at this point. Even if Arkansas looked more impressive than what they did in game one against Eastern Illinois, I still wouldn't feel great about it. But now you're looking at a schedule that could, could be even tougher than what we originally thought. Auburn definitely looks tough, but we already knew that. But Texas A&M, we'll find out more when they play Clemson. But they could be a really tough team because they looked impressive in their game. Well, we all know about Alabama and how good they looked. Even Ole Miss beating Texas Tech that way. Is that going to cause problems for Arkansas? LSU smoking Miami? What? Now, that's another game that you felt like maybe you had a puncher's chance in, and maybe you still do, but holy crap. LSU just made Miami look like mincemeat. Mississippi State on the road? No. At Missouri to end the season? (sighs) Ah, I don't think so. So all of a sudden, you look at all these games and how as much as you think that they they may do it well or they may find ways to win a couple, I got to find them. I'm, I'm searching. I'm searching for six wins. You got one already. Give me five more. Where's the five coming from? Because, folks, if Arkansas is going to go to a bowl game, they have to go undefeated in non-conference play. That's not a question. They have to go undefeated. They have to win this weekend against Colorado State. They're favored by 13 points, so I feel like they're going to win. Colorado State looks absolutely terrible. It's just a matter of how is the team going to handle the travel and all the stuff that comes with it. But they should be Colorado State. North Texas is going to be a really good team, too, but I feel like they still should beat them, should beat Tulsa. And then where's the other two wins going to come from? Man, Vanderbilt and maybe Missouri? Maybe? Oh, it's it's maybe Ole Miss because their defense is so bad? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really grasping for straws here trying to figure out where, where victory, there's two victories going to come from. Just, again, basing this off of week one. Another week, as we talked about in the opening segment, it can all change. Give me a couple of games, and then I'll start to make my decisions on what I think is good or what it's not good dealing with a lot of these teams. But what I do know is that the SEC made a statement, a very nice statement, a statement that, you know what, people are going to say they're down. They had a lot of turnover in coaches. Uh, they had a lot of issues. They had quarterback controversies. But those don't matter because it's still the freaking SEC. Raise out the chance. Start claiming your spot in your bowl games sign up a team or two in the college football playoff it's going to be another run-of-the-mill day at the office type of season for the sec no team looks soft no team looks terrible at least through week one give me week two give me week three if it starts building then you may have something maybe able to look at something but i'm telling you also folks arkansas benefited so much so much by not having to play Michigan this year. I was upset selfishly when I saw that they no longer had them on the schedule because I was looking so forward to going to the big house. I thought that would be an awesome thing, awesome time to see because I'll never be able to go to that for that reason for Arkansas playing. So I was pissed. I was mad that they changed it up. But looking at it in hindsight, it might have been the best blessing for Arkansas because you imagine if they had to go to Michigan instead of playing Colorado State this year. Even as stupidly overrated as Michigan is, even as terrible as they looked against Notre Dame, Arkansas would still lose that game. So in hindsight, maybe it was the right idea and the right thing for Michigan to cancel that. But either way, the SEC looks as tough as they ever have. And I'm really not going to start betting on anybody not to not to do what they were supposed to do or what they've been trying to do. So that's like the main thing dealing with uh, the Southeastern Conference. I love it, though. Razorback fans, you may not love it, but I sure love it. We're going to talk about a little tweet from Dre Greenlaw that caught the attention of a lot of people for a lot of different reasons here in just a second. But, folks, football is here, and it's fantasy football season, and FanDuel has never been more fun or easier to play. If you're not a fantasy expert, because I'm sure not, then FanDuel is clearly the best place to play. They have something for everyone, different games, different strategies, different things, and different ways to win more so than ever before. If you don't believe me, check this out. They're doing uh, running a free $250,000 survivor contest. This is the biggest free survivor contest ever. And here's how it works. You pick one team each week and you can't reuse that team again for the rest of the season. This locks before week one. So don't miss your chance to sign up now. This experience is a great one, folks. I've been telling you about it. See, I'm not good at betting on teams obviously. I'm not good at fantasy football because I'm not that committed to something. So I check out FanDuel and the different games that they have. I check it out. I try to win some money. I've had some luck. Probably more luck than I'm deserving of. But it's a lot of fun and I urge you all to make your way over there i'm excited about continuing to play it and i hope you are too to get into that free $250,000 survivor contest just go to fanduel.com locked on that's fanduel.com locked on plus you new users out there you get a 20 dollars bonus when you make your first deposit on fanduel so come play with me folks at fanduel.com locked on Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, the final segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast today is talking about Dre Greenlaw, who went through a little bit of an injury. He's a day to day deal with an ankle injury, so it should be okay. I don't know exactly when he's going to make it back, but definitely a lot better than what it could have been. But either way, you got to admit the guy's a leader. He's a great kid, and if you've ever talked to him, and maybe I'm just biased because he's from Fayetteville High School, where I'm from, uh, he's a great kid, and he's obviously a great leader that's been around a long time. Well, he put out a tweet that I thought was really fascinating, that a lot of people thought was fascinating, and it was directed towards Cheyenne O'Grady. Now, the tweet has been deleted, so I don't exactly have the wording of it precisely, but I do remember <laughs> at least the gist of the tweet. So I'm not going to don't quote me on it. But it said something to the extent of, hey, our team, your team, we all need you, Cheyenne O'Grady. We need you to go to class and show up for practice, please. Something to that extent. Now, Cheyenne O'Grady did not do anything in the game against Eastern Illinois. And by that tweet that Dre Greenwell put out, I think it's made known of why that's the case. Apparently, Cheyenne O'Grady is having an issue with either showing up to class or showing up to practices on time and or both. And that is a major problem, especially for Cheyenne. We know the issues that he's all gone through. Even under Brett Bielema, there were certain things that he just could not figure out and could not overcome. And when you see something like this rearing its ugly head, That's problematic, especially for someone who I think, Lanchino Grady, the dude could be an NFL tight end. I think he has the body, he has the physicality, he has everything going for him that he could actually have a nice career in the NFL. But if you're not showing up to practice and you're not going to class or not doing the things you're supposed to do, then guess what? That's probably going to cause an issue. And that's probably going to really let down your teammates and your friends, especially on the team, when you're not doing such things. I'm not going to be the one speculating because I even retweeted it, and I've had some fans go at me and say, why don't you just try to be positive instead of trying to tear people down? I'm not tearing people down. Dre Greenwald put that tweet out in public, and he did it for a reason. In fact, he tweeted afterwards. Uh, I'll try to edit it so, you know, we've got to be PC. But he says, mean no disrespect to anybody about my tweets, but the truth is truth. That shit is sad. That's his exact quote. So uh, by all of that and basing it off of that, that's just a leader. And I'm, what I'm thinking is, is that he said, okay, what we've all tried to say to him, what the coaches have tried to say to him, it has not been working. So I'm going to go out and publicly reprimand him and call him out on my social media and saying, hey, man, get your act together because you're letting us down. That's what I got from it. And now people can judge it whatever they want, but you know what? Dre Greenlaw knows Cheyenne O'Grady a lot better than me, and he knows him a lot better than you. So I'm not going to ridicule him or criticize him for his methods on what he wants. Maybe that's what Cheyenne needs. And if anybody knows what Cheyenne needs, it's probably somebody who's been around him for a very long time, a.k.a. Dre Greenlaw. So maybe that's the motivation he needed, but definitely telling of why Cheyenne O'Grady has not been around much and not been doing much with the Razorback football team – When you have issues like that, it's not a good sign. It's not a good sign at all. I'm sure Chad Morris will be asked about it uh, as the week goes on in his press conferences. Maybe some coaches will be as well. But uh, either way, I applaud Dre Greenlaw for trying. I mean, he could have just forgotten him. He could have just put him back to the wayside. But you know what? Dre obviously is a good leader and a good young man. And so for him to speak up like that, that's big time. So he has my respect for it. And just hopefully, hopefully. Cheyenne O'Grady responds in the right way. Well, appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I'm your host, John Neighbors. Everybody be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. We're on basically everything that you need. We're going to be on Spotify soon. Uh, And TuneIn app is another one. I mean, if you have a place of going for a podcast, we're on it. So check us out. Subscribe to us. Listen to us. We're going to put it out every day during the weekdays. I'm going to mix up the scheduling a little bit I know it's been difficult uh, with my radio show now to try to make sure that I put it out in the best timely manner. So maybe not this week, but next week, I'm going to have the schedule a little more consistent. Uh, that'll be helpful for y'all as well. So when you wake up in the mornings, you'll have the brand new podcast for that day. That's my plan at least. But be sure to subscribe to it. Tweet at me with any questions, comments, concerns at Rush John Neighbors. And be sure to check out the voicemail too. Leave me one. I'll play it back on the podcast. I know some of you have left some, but the technology hasn't really... Uh, been able to let me do it just yet but you know leave those they should be fun and you know just tell me whatever you want to know and i'm sure it'll be terrible and you guys will be mean and nasty and all that but i'll play it back anyway because hashtag no filter or something like that but either way we're gonna make it happen same podcast time same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon have a great night everybody we will see you then you are locked on razorbacks your daily arkansas razorbacks podcast